Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 14th day of July. It is Bastille Day. That's right. Let's storm the damn Bastille. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. There's no baseball today. There's no baseball tomorrow. What the hell? I understand no baseball today. I get it. But why not tomorrow? Seriously. What the hell? Why, why can't we have get going here on Thursday? Look, if you're a ball player and you didn't get chosen to the All-Star game, I'm sure you enjoyed this nice four-day vacation. Now, the ratings, the TV ratings of the All-Star game were terrible. Um, I thought it was kind of a dull All-Star game, and I talked about it ad nauseum yesterday that the whole way that the game is managed is just preposterous right now. It's taking away any momentum of the game, too. You try to watch a four to two game with all the best players in the in the sport playing. It's like and there's two outs, nobody on here at all. Time for a pitching change. What the hell? Let these players play. You know, there's something that came up during the um, ceremonies yesterday where they're talking about how the the uh, in honor of Tony Gwynn. Remember how they didn't mention Tony Gwynn after he died a few years ago, which prompted the first in memoriam video. And there will be another in-memoriam video this year. It's just I'm a little behind because of life. But uh, now they're allowed to talk about him, and they're going to name the National League batting title the Tony Gwynn Award and the American League batting title the Rod Carew Award. And the main reason they're doing that is because they can't name it after the person who's won the most batting titles because that's Ty Cobb. And while he may not be the there, – there seems to be – uh, a case that he wasn't the total racist lunatic that uh, he's been painted to be. Um, he's still not a nice and cute and cuddly player that we'd like to name an award after, and no one has a problem with either Gwyn nor Carew. So there you go with that. Uh, I don't really, you know, it's the Jackie Robinson Award as the Rookie of the Year Nobody calls it that. They call it the Rookie of the Year Award. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, there's the Hank Aaron Award. Um, it's nice. I don't always know who won it. It's not the prestigious thing that it would be, you know, that, that you would think it would be. It's not like the Cy Young Award, which has just been part of the lexicon for so long. Maybe it will be. I don't know. But maybe, you know, maybe baseball wants to be like the NHL. You know, the NHL is like they have the names for the different awards. And, you know, the Hart Trophy, the Norris Trophy, the Calder Trophy, you know, the, you know, the, uh, you know, all the different awards. Which are, Wait, what the hell is that for again? You know, and, you know, it's the most valuable player. Boom. Got it. All right. All right. Got it. You know, they're not going to do that for baseball. Now, the. And just because no one's going to remember. I mean, it's nice that they're honoring Rod Carew. It's nice that they're honoring 
Tony Gwynn, but it's not gonna it's not gonna pan out. You know, people aren't gonna refer to it. They're still gonna refer to it as the batting champion. And, and these days, the 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 prestige of being the batting champion has has faded a little bit because just using a batting average as a metric for being an offensive player is flawed. This isn't going crazy new stats. This is going common sense. If you come up and you get you you were 0 for 1. You're 0 for 1 in a game. God, you didn't get a hit. Your batting average went down. But in that 0-for-1 game, you walked three times. That means you came up to the plate four times and you reached base three of them. That's a positive day, but it's not a positive day for your batting average. You know, the old adage that the best hitters fail seven out of ten times is not true. They may fail, you know, uh, 60% of the time or 55% of the time, but there have been times in baseball history, I mean, if you go to the mid-2000s, there were several years there that Bonds could say he had a successful at-bat more than 50% of the time. Bonds' on-base percentage in 2004, he did steroids! His on-base percentage in 2004 started with a goddamn six. His on-base percentage was .6094. That means that he succeeded six times out of ten. When he got to the plate, if the name of the game is, I don't want to make an out... I will not make an out. Well, with that in mind, Bonds in those years was topping 60% of succeeding at the plate. His final year in baseball, he led the majors in on-base percentage. You know, but they'll never name the on-base percentage award to Barry Bonds, so I guess we're going to have to deal with that. Ricky Henderson understood that. I brought this up before. But I remember Ricky Henderson talking when someone was questioning about his batting average being below what he wanted to be one of the years he was playing with the Yankees. And he said, I don't look at my batting average. I look at my on-base percentage. And he was right. He was, that was considered quirky, ah, uh, Ricky being Ricky. But no, he was right. His job is to get on base. So we're naming it after the batting average. And, and you know, for years that was the metric that everyone used. And it's nice to be a 300 hitter. But I'd rather you succeed more often than not. I would rather you have a season where you're getting on base and not making outs, not worried about, am I getting through the hits, am I getting through the walks? And we're starting to learn that there are other metrics. So at this point, we're naming it after the, the batting average after, after someone? I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's a nice little thing. We get to applaud Rod Crew. We get to applaud Tony Gwynn. But, you know, no one's going to call it that. Hey, um, I want to ask you all a question. I was, uh, Jesse Friedman was on the show last week, and I was on his podcast. We talked about the Diamondbacks. We talked about a disaster the Diamondbacks have been. And I've been thinking about something. The Diamondbacks went for it and fell totally on their face. This has been a terrible year for the Diamondbacks. Now, as I said, when Jesse Friedman was on here, no small part was, you know, when you take A.J. Pollock out of the, out of the lineup, that's going to hurt. 
And they have good hitters on the team. You have Goldschmidt, you have Lamb, you got Castillo, you got good hitters. The pitching has been an a, a absolute catastrophe, and they're already selling off players. Now, one thing to keep in mind, I'm going to go to BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. The Arizona Diamondbacks were probably going to lose somewhere between 95 to 100 games this year. They have Zach Greinke being paid as one of the elite players in baseball through 2021. They have Yosemite Tomas through 2020. They have Paul Goldschmidt under contract through 2018. After this season, two more years with Goldschmidt. Uh, they have several years of Pollock under control, several years of Lamb under control. They have a team which is primarily under control, with the exception of Goldschmidt in a few years. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to be, I'm dead serious about this. Because, I mean, this is one of the things that made it so startling to put Zach Grinke on this team. When you look at their payroll, now obviously someone like Goldschmidt is going to cash in big time eventually. And we know he's played, you know, his eight seasons. He'll play eight seasons with the Diamondbacks, and hopefully they'll find a way to extend him so he plays the 10 years in the desert. But the Diamondbacks don't have a single player making more than $7.5 million this year. That's just Monty Tomas, except for Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke is making $34 million. $34 million. $35 million. The rest of the payroll of the Diamondbacks is roughly $50 billion. They have an 80-something million dollar payroll, roughly, and nearly half of it goes to Zach Greinke. This is a team that's in desperate, desperate need to put two sticks of dynamite and blow it up. I know their attendance is terrible. I know that their, the interest is, is, is just non-existent at this point. But you also have to take a look and say, wait a minute. If it's not going to happen, then what the hell are we doing? You're going to let Paul Goldschmidt walk in a few years? You've been handed, you've been allowed to have a player of Paul Goldschmidt's caliber Saya, I'm not saying Jesus Christ. Well, that's how good he is. He could be a Saya Gord winner. You have a guy who is a, a MVP candidate and has been for, you know, the in two of the last three years and is going to put up MVP caliber numbers again this year. He just doesn't have the team around him to win. You know, first year out of the gate, he's in the postseason. And ever since then, he's been on the all-star team, but it has nothing to show for it because the team around him sucks. And you have Zach Grinke, who is, on the one hand, you can say, hey, we have an ace. We have an now who's on the disabled list right now, but we have an ace. We have a pitcher to build the rest of the team around. There is a lot of young pitching talent on this. And you can say, hey, we have a player that those players can bounce off of, that they can... They can they don't have to worry about every five games, and that's a great way to develop the team. That is a great way of looking at things. They're paying, they're paying them through the nose, but that's one thing to do. But the other thing I can't help but think of is when I take a look at the trade market right now, and Rich Hill 
is the the great prize. Nothing against Rich Hill, but but yikes, Rich Hill's having a fine year. But you know you're gonna see people gonna be falling over themselves to get Jeremy Hellickson, Jake Odorizzi, Sonny Gray. You're gonna see someone like you know um, you know Hector Santiago be is probably if, if traded correctly is going to get the Angels a bunch of young players. You're having teams like the Yankees and the Angels should be looking at their entire staff and saying, okay, everyone's available. Everyone's available. They have that wonderful bullpen. They could dump the bullpen right now. How many teams have a player like Zach Grinke? Not a lot. He's still a wonderful pitcher. But can the Diamondbacks say, hey, like what is it? Forty percent of our payroll is going to this guy. We went for it. It didn't quite work. And you have so many teams who, whose window of opportunity is dwindling. My point is that if you're the Diamondbacks, and you say, "Hey, Zach Greinke is coming back," what would you give us? What would you give us? If we said, you have Zach Grinke, give us something. Seriously. And the team does it, can say, hey, Grinke is, could help us win this year. And he is, what's his, what's his contract situation? He is signed through, drum roll please, how many more years has he signed? He is signed, he has one, two, three, four, five, six more years to this contract. Holy Toledo. You get six years of Zach Greinke. Now, the question, the philosophical question asked the Diamondbacks is, do you think Zach Greinke will be an ace pitcher at the end of that contract? I have no idea. I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess at one point he falls apart. Almost everyone falls apart. I can only think of one pitcher ever who signed a big contract like this and stuck the landing, and that was Messina. And even he had some rough year, a couple of rough years towards the end. He finished with a fine season. But there was a couple, there was a couple of years there where he was not pitching like a Hall of Fame caliber. Now maybe Grinky is the outlier. Maybe he is the Messina. But boy, oh boy, didn't Cliff Lee look like he was going to do that? Boy, oh boy, didn't Roy Halladay look like he was going to do that? Johan Santana looked like he was going to do that? C.C. Sabathia looked like he was going to do that. All these pitchers who have the huge hunk and mongo contracts turn into these behemoths. The Diamondbacks looked at their team and they said to themselves, hey, we're, uh, we could potentially stun some people if we remove Grinky from the Dodgers, place him on our team, have a young team that he can help lead, and boom. And maybe if they had a healthy A.J. Pollock, they would have had a better position. And maybe everyone will be back next year. And maybe this team will be the team next year that they thought they were going to be this year. Kind of like how everyone thought the Blue Jays were going to be the team, except me, I didn't think so, thought the team going to be the team of 2013. They turned out to be the year of 2015. Maybe. And maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. I don't know. The Diamondbacks made a 
took a chance. Now they have, what, they have five more years of a contract. Now it will be worth it in a way, philosophically, if Grinky helps lead the Diamondbacks back to the postseason, makes them relevant again, put some fannies in the seats, sell a couple of ads on, on cable TV. This is the longest drought the Diamondbacks have ever had of a trip to the postseason. Because remember, they, they made the postseason their second year. Made it again in 2001, one of the greatest World Series of all time, 2002. In the playoffs in 2007, in the playoffs in 2011. The Diamondbacks were regular participants, but it doesn't look like they're going to be. And it looks like Tony La Russa is to front office work what Phil Jackson is to front office work in the NBA. A great coach, Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame manager. Not so great at putting the team together, at least not right now. At one point, if the Diamondbacks are not a playoff team in 2017 or 2018, that contract is going to be one of those massive behemoths that whenever people write about what are the worst contracts in baseball, they will probably bring up the Zach Greinke signing and wonder what the hell were the Diamondbacks doing thinking they were so close. How about when you see that's the route that you are going it, you see that that's a train at the end of the tunnel, you see that you're driving off a cliff, you see that you've hired Zack Snyder as a director, you do all these things which we all know will equal something terrible, that maybe you can take advantage of this situation and say, hey, what team out there whose window of opportunity is slamming shut can we pawn this contract onto? You know, everyone crapped all over Jeffrey Loria, and he is one of those people who no longer has the benefit of the doubt because there have been so many things he's done of a questionable nature that, you know, you can't sit around going like, oh, you know what, you, you, there's a reason we don't trust you, Jeffrey. There's a reason. But with that being said, he was smart to dismantle that Marlins team that he put together. He went for it, didn't work. He dismantled them. Some of the trades worked out well. They, they have a team that is at least on the periphery of contention right now. I mean, as of right now, they're, they're tied for the second wildcard spot. And they probably would not have been if they kept all those players who they, had, they got when they went for it. See what they're doing in San Diego right now? They're dumping everyone off, and they're making some decent trades. They got a good player for Fernando Rodney. They got, a good, they got some good players, at least one good player, in the deal for James Shields. They went for it. They saw the error of their ways, and they, they said, okay, now let's just start checking bodies off the side. The Diamondbacks could take a look at look at the teams whose window of opportunity to win it all, to win the World Series, to take the pressure off the franchise, to sell lots of tickets in the offseason, to get all the things that happen when you get a world championship, and which is, beyond just the financial and business part of it, is the goal of what you're trying to do. You're Washington. 
You've had two opportunities slip through your fingers. You've seen Davy Johnson and Matt Williams come through here. You've seen that epic collapse against the Cardinals, and you saw that weird series with an 18-inning game against what looked like an inferior Giants team. You don't know what window of opportunity you have. You're the Mets. You have a chance to take the city. The Yankees' popularity is already plummeting. Plummeting. And a chance to take over the city in a way that they haven't had since the 1980s and possibly win back-to-back pennants for the first time in their history. The Pirates, you don't know what kind of situation they're going to be in. Is this the, their only chance of doing it? Will they not be a contender soon? The Cardinals, a chance to win yet another pennant this decade? The Cubs, I think we're all familiar with the Cubs situation. The Dodgers, man, can you imagine the Dodgers if they had Zach Greinke? Just close your eyes. Close your eyes. I know this is absurd, but imagine if Greinke and Kershaw were teammates. I mean, can you even imagine what that would be like? That would be incredible. I, can't, I mean, I can't fathom what that would be in reality, but man. Just as a fantasy, just sort of putting two names together, Kershaw and Grinky. Now, I know that's out of the realm of possibility. There's no way the Dodgers can compete in a free agent market, especially with teams like the Diamondbacks out there. But just, man, wouldn't that be wild if Kershaw and Grinky were teammates? The Rangers! A lot of money, the Rangers. A lot of money in Texas. And... They went for it last year by picking up Hamels. They have a bunch of injuries in their pitching staff. They've never won the World Series. And Texas would love to win that World Series this decade. Cleveland, probably the, the sense of urgency of the people of Cleveland has been relieved a little bit. And the Indians are never going to do something like that. How about the Red Sox? How about the Orioles? Buck Showalter? Never going to the World Series? They got the bullpen. Stick Zach Grinke in that? I mean, I think that in a way, you put Grinke on the Baltimore Orioles, you look around going, holy cats, they, this might be the team. What about Toronto? What about Boston? What about these teams where there's a sense of urgency? And a sense that, well, we know this guy's the real, the real deal. And it's like making a free agent signing in the middle of the year. And the Diamondbacks would be able to say, hey, we have relieved ourselves of what would be a financial calamity and maybe get two or three damn good players in return. Look it. They went for it. It was a wild moment when it happened. If it had worked, they'd be geniuses. But we know that when we get to 2021, 2021, which is going to be after the next presidential election, okay, Granky will still be cashing checks from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Do you really think he has more than a presidential term left in his body in his mid-30s? I don't. Now, if, this, if I were talking about the Dodgers, this is why I can't believe the Dodgers let him go or didn't, didn't pony up for him. If this were the Dodgers, I would say, 
Do you know what? They signed a big contract because they have this window of opportunity to win. They spent all this money on the team, and they haven't even gone to the World Series. If this were the Red Sox, if this were the Cubs, or any of these other teams, these high-priced, high-market teams with a chance to win, I get it. The fact that the Diamondbacks did this is like someone who's, you know, someone who buys a Ferrari even though their house is falling apart and, the sewer, and there's a sewage leak in their, in their front yard, but they spent the money on a Ferrari. It's dumb. And they can get out of it. They can get out of it with desperate teams. They can get out of this situation and, and, and build back up and do it responsibly. Do it the way the Astros did, who are on the verge of calling up, what's his name, Bregman, and, and potentially having one of the great infields that we're going to see in a long, long time if Bregman's the real deal. You're going to see teams that built responsibly from the ground up, and the Diamondbacks could be that sort of team. It's not even find a sucker. Find someone who could use the Ferrari, and you use that money to rebuild the house. Because eventually, some of these teams, some of these top teams in the National League will collapse. When you have veteran-laced teams, they will collapse. You don't believe me? Go look at the beginning of the decade. Who are the big teams? Yeah, the Cardinals and the Giants are still there. You know what? The Reds were a big team. They went to the postseason a bunch. The Braves were a big team. And the Phillies were the team. And even the Brewers and the Diamondbacks were in it. But the big teams were, obviously, the Cardinals and the Giants, but also the Phillies. And they hung on to their team too long, and they collapsed. At least they got a world championship out of it. The Diamondbacks are like the Phillies of the last bunch of years without the glory of 2008. Do something about it. It's a tough pill to swallow, but you can get really, really good players back and build up. You've got desperate teams out there. That's what you love to hear. Desperate teams are your friends. Think long and hard about it, Arizona. You might be able to get out of a potential disaster. Not in 2017, but after the next presidential election. Give it some thought. Nobody owned baseball today because no one played. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, and everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast for the 14th day of July 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I'm begging you, call me Sullivan.